Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to our Talking Transition podcast brought to you by OGCI, the Oil and Gas Climate Initiative. We're looking to provide an authentic look at how OGCI works and what the energy transition really means. What are the hard questions? What are the messy issues? And what are the challenges and opportunities that this brings? Today, we're going to talk about stakeholder engagement. And we're going to talk about it with four lenses, what it is, why it's important. I'll mention who we're talking with, which will be a gentleman named Julian, I'll introduce in a moment, and how we work with them. And the how is going to be the bulk of the broadcast. So what today, OGCI published a table of joint projects that we're doing with stakeholders that cover everything from tracking flaring of methane with satellites to capturing CO2 on deep sea tankers and improving how we detect and quantify methane emissions around the world. Why are we doing this? Well, stakeholder engagement is one of the pillars of what OGCI does. Tackling climate change is a huge challenge. It needs all hands on board. Nobody is gonna be able to do it alone. It is the true story of the power of collaboration. And it requires what Christina Figueres calls radical collaboration. Who I'm going to be talking with? I'm going to be talking with my colleague, Julian Perez. Julian is the Vice President for Strategy and Policy at OGCI Climate Investments. And he's been with the organization really since it was a just a concept. He was there at the launch of it. Julian has been working in the climate change and sustainable development market for over 15 years and has also worked in industry at Total and in advisory and consulting services. He brings enormous breadth of expertise, and at any time, if you have a question what's going on at OGCI, he's the one I always turn to. So, Julian, good morning. Hello, Suzanne. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Julian, where are you right now? You're in Paris? Uh, yes, at home in Paris, like for almost a year now, as most of us, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. I'm at home in Boston just outside of Austin. It's been 10 months. I'm a little bit stir crazy. Whoever thought I would be traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I think I think that's the point. We went from an extreme to, to, to the other. So it's just that now we have to move to the middle ground. I, I hope that's going to be the case in the next few months. Yes, me too. So I know, Julian, that stakeholder engagement is one of those topics you're passionate about. But let's really start at the beginning. What who, from your perspective, who is a stakeholder? How do we define them? Well, you know, as um, the oil and gas industry and the energy industry as a whole interact with, I would say, every segment of the economy. So contrary to other sectors, the energy industry, has, I think, has a huge list of stakeholders. So... Um, when you take from the scientific perspective, and of course the university uh, are very important stakeholder from an OGCI perspective, I mean, uh, and we'll, we'll tackle that later on, I guess, but uh, that, that's one of the critical ones. NGOs, obviously, uh, extremely important as well, uh, considering that we, mm. we provide a lot of um, energy, but also we represent a major contribution of the, of the climate footprint. What is... Can you just define, just so everybody knows, what is an NGO? Well, an NGO is uh, a non-governmental organization. So basically, it's uh, a group of, uh, I would say, passionate people um, with 
depth of knowledge in one topic that engage with private and public players to make to move the needle on one topic. So it's uh, what what we call as well sometimes civil society because they they represent the civil society. Got it. Okay, good. Thank you. So we talked about research. We talked about NGO. Yeah, research and the NGO governments, obviously, uh, business partner, value chain players, um, all of the people that interact with your business but are not part of the core uh, of your business. To make it short. And what? Who would be a value chain player? What does that mean? Well, the value chain player are the customer, uh, the, um, the the provider of services of, of goods to to our business. So, again. Anybody who interacts and allow us to do to do the business, basically. So, yeah. Got it. So it's research, NGOs, government, value chain. Should we add finance to that list? Yes, absolutely. You're right. Uh, in the investor perspective is is of utmost importance, particularly for I would say from our member companies' eyes, uh, more than from the OGCI because as OGCI we're just a coalition, so we don't interact directly with their investors, but uh, indeed you're right, and for, for our member, it's, uh, it's very important. Great, thank you. So let's talk a little bit about why stakeholder engagement's key to OGCI. So I've always viewed it as one of those great wary places where we can leverage the collective actions of our 12 members uh, and also ensure that we you know, stay humble. We, we understand the value of other perspectives, but what's your view and what the value is? Well, I think you're right, Susan. Um, what you've described is, is very accurate. And, and also I liked uh, the introduction that you made and um, reminding us that uh, nobody can do that alone. So whatever is the footprint that you bring to uh, the climate challenge, um, you, you will not solve it alone. And it would be fool to think uh, that uh, one company or one government can bring uh, the silver bullet that will uh, uh, completely solve this equation. Climate challenge is an extremely complex issue. It has implication at every, again, segment of the economy. And as a global challenge, it requires a global answer. So um, as we can't do everything on our own, we need collaboration with every type of stakeholder that we can engage with. Uh, to accelerate the transformation of the energy sector and bring back, bring low carbon solution at the scale of the Paris Agreement. Just in terms of, of that last answer, is are the other players in the energy sector, are those also stakeholders? Because we didn't touch on those in the first answer. Yes, so it's always a question of perspective, but uh, it's true that I approached the, the, the stakeholder angle from what from an oil and gas industry. Uh, but if you ask me the question, who are the stakeholders from OGCI perspective? So at the boundary of OGCI, of course, all the companies who are not member of OGCI are to be, can be considered as stakeholders. So as the association that are you know working aside of OGCI and looking in the same direction as us uh, are also very important stakeholder to us. Got it. All right. Well, that makes sense. Do, in terms of, of what we do and what we don't, OGCI itself is, well, you know better than I, it's actually the organization itself is relatively small, although our members, our 12 members are rather large. Um, but given those restraints of a size, how do we actually work with stakeholders most effectively? What, what would be a couple examples that you see? Yeah, I can yeah i can give you some some recent one uh and some that come on top of my head so ogci is about practical action so you know 
when we engage with stakeholders, it's the same thing as when we work with with our number companies to 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 move towards uh, a net zero world. So it's about practical action, and, and again, when we translate that into stakeholder engagement example that go through um, the methane science studies, for instance, this is a long term partnership that we we launched back in 2017. Uh, with EDF and uh, the United Nations uh, Environmental Program. Uh, and the idea is um, that we run a series of uh, measurement campaign across a certain number of assets uh, to test and try some technology, but also to address um, you know, what are the real methane emissions. Um, and so to do the, the partnership that is built, basically it's, there is a financial sponsorship from OGCI, but more importantly, we open access as well to, to our site and facility, and we provide some uh, technical knowledge uh, to the debate, etc. So this is this is the one example. Uh, another one is a partnership that we've launched um, uh, last year with the World Bank and the Pain Institute. Uh, and here, um, similarly as, as uh, for the methane science studies, this is a dual financial and technical um, a partnership for us. Uh, and basically, we're sponsoring a program that is launched by um, a university, so the Pain Institute. Who is capturing satellite information and will store uh, this information into a publicly um, available uh, uh, web page, and that's going to translate the satellite image into a quantity of gas that is flared. So again, you know there is a lot of algorithm, a lot of research behind that, and you need to provide some technical expertise in addition to the financial support. Maybe one last example that I could share is the Global Methane Alliance, where here we are more engaging policymaker. And we provide knowledge sharing and technical support to countries for them to include methane reduction targets from the oil and gas sector in their revised uh, national climate strategy. Um, so, yeah, that's just three examples, but we have dozens like this. Julian, I just, my sense here is that these are complicated deals to do. That it's yes. just the, I mean, <laughs> We've been doing at you've been at OGCI literally since it was a concept before it was even really launched. Are these how long does it take to make you mentioned three deals, Methan Science with EDF, the Pain Institute, World Bank, the, the Global Satellite thing, and the Global Methane Alliance? How long does it take to actually make this happen? And I'm bringing this up because all we hear with climate issues is how urgent it is and how pressed we have to be. Yes, uh, yes, uh, yeah. How, no, it's, how long it takes for this stuff to happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a, it's an excellent question, uh, uh, Susan. I think it's a trade-off between the time to implement that and the impact that you think it can have, and that's always the judgment that we try to to evaluate when we when we create such a partnership. So the time it takes, well, it's it's a, it's I think the, the, as soon as you have the concept. Uh, uh, and that it's 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 uh, it's okay for the two partners. Uh, then it, you, rolling out, I would say, all the administrative piece, etc., is relatively smooth and easy because we we have a trusted relationship now with most of those stakeholders. Like we have a number of partnerships with the UN, with the World Bank. We have a very long relationship, etc. So that that can be expedited uh, relatively quickly. But the concept is important because we have to identify where there is uh, a gap uh, in the science. In the markets, um, you know, to, to scale up, etc. So where there is something that is missing, and is OGCI the good organization to bring the value add, and who could be the right partner? Uh, and once you have made those three components of the equation all together, and you look that yes, it, it can work, 
then then you you can expedite that and what what I was saying before, like the trade-off between the time to implement and the impact it can have, is 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 very important because um, we don't want to do something that is already existing, of course, uh, but we don't don't want either to spend hours and hours and maybe months or years on a partnership that would not deliver something that is uh, meaningful in terms of impact. So, all, all the the three the three previous one are very very uh, I think will, will bring a lot. Um, and, and the other that we've joined hopefully will as well. So Julian, let's talk about impact for a second. Mm-hmm. Because impact does, it is what really drives us. It's what gets us up in the morning to, to fight every day. How, how are you looking at impact? How do you measure it? How do you, how do you what's your scale for figuring this stuff out? Because I, I know I, it's, it's something all of us have to think through every day, right? Or Scarcest resources are time um, and our availability to do this. So figuring out where what we do is going to have the biggest impact with stakeholders it just seems to be really a pivotal question. Yes. Uh, well, f- first of all, you know, one thing that uh, struck me, generally speaking, because, because as you said, we are a small organization like OGCI, you know, the, 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 the staff of OGCI and the structure of OGCI is relatively small, particularly compared to our member companies. Uh, what strikes me is that when we bring um, a new concept back to them, uh, because we've discussed that with one of our stakeholders and we've made sure that just, you know, around the table or a phone call, uh, what strikes me is that when it raises an interest for the 12 member companies, uh, then I think that I, I, we have hidden something that, you know, makes sense because they are the experts. They navigate in these worlds for decades. They have a lot of people. Um, and, and so I know that there's going to be something here. I know that there's going to be an impact and that we were, we were on the right track when we developed the concept and then when we're going to roll it, roll it out. How we measure the impact? Um, well, of course, there is, you know, I would say the, the, the usual KPI in terms of uh, tons of greenhouse gas emissions that we would have uh, allowed to avoid or that we have reduced. So we do that for our targets, for instance. That's relatively easy. Uh, when it comes to, you know, when we're going to disclose, for instance, the, 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 the or when we're going to help to disclose, I would say, uh, the quantity of gas that is flared around the world, thanks to the program that is run by the World Bank and the Bain Institute, uh, what will be the impact? Frankly speaking, I don't know, but I know that there will going to be, because some countries um, don't have access to this level of information and cannot make any policy in place, for instance. When they're going to have that level of information, they're going to realize that there is a, a lot of saving potential. Uh, and so that's going to, it's not naming and shaming, that's not the objective, but it's just to make the science sufficiently progressing at a sufficient level that all the stakeholders can, can act, and particularly the policymaker. So, yeah, I guess that you can feel as well the scale of the impact if you want. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds like going back to basics. I mean, my background is as a banker. And, <laughs> uh, Nobody's perfect. You can forgive me for that. Um, uh, but it's it's one of those classic things, right? You can't manage what you can't measure. Absolutely. And as long as you don't have the information and you don't have transparency, uh, it's really hard to make the right decisions to manage something. Um, and opaque markets are never efficient. They just aren't. Yeah. So good. All right. So I'm going to ask, we, we've talked about how, many gazillion possible stakeholders there are in all the different sectors for it. You've given some really interesting examples of high impact working with the stakeholders. 
and how you pick those. So given all the, the full range of stakeholders with whom we could engage, can you talk about different kinds of examples? You, you, you talked through the, the, the three earlier, but are there other ways that we engage with stakeholders that mm -hmm. we should be talking about here? Yes, you're, thanks, Suzanne. You're right. I, actually, I I focused mainly the the three examples I gave you were around methane, uh, which uh, probably is uh, a VAs that I have because that was uh, that's uh, one of the main focus that we have since the the first hour of OGCI. Uh, if I give you other examples, so when I when I when when you asked me to list the stakeholder, I mentioned, for instance, the value chain player. Uh, we have, for instance, launched um, an in-depth assessment with. Um, a PESEL uh, provider, so name is Stena Bulk, and we work with them to assess what could be uh, the technology available uh, on various type of vessel to capture uh, the CO2 uh, emission. And, and so to allow very quickly, I mean, to without changing completely uh, the, uh, the existing fleet, uh, to plug in some technology to allow the, this, this, this carbon capture to work. Um, so of course it looks like you know a little bit a crazy project, but actually there is some technology available. Uh, and engaging with you know a vessel provider, they can provide us the details and the technical details of their vessel, and we can provide the knowledge on on carbon capture. And by this collaboration, actually we start to identify some areas that were potentially then could be followed up by either a collaboration between our member companies directly with this vessel provider, and some of them, maybe uh, some of them will be interested, or as OGCI as a coalition, maybe we'll push, um, I don't know, a pilot uh, around that. So that's going to be the next stage. But at this stage, you know, that's one extra type of action that we do. Another one that I could share with you uh, very quickly is uh, that we we've, we've, um, we have signed up with the Clean Energy Ministerial. So the Clean Energy Ministerial is a is a group of uh, Ministry of Energy and Environment gathering, I think, something like 80 countries. And we've signed mm -hmm. up um, an agreement with them on CCUS. And here again, we scale up uh, the potential for CCUS policy and CCUS hubs around the world uh, thanks to these uh, partnerships. So, yeah, just two extra examples that are outside of methane and with different type of stakeholder. Do we ever do anything simple with stakeholders? I'm sorry, <laughs> self-evident question. Let me back up on that one. It's also disingenuous because I sort of know the answer to that one, which is yes, right? Um, uh, if it's simple, it's already done, so we wouldn't be additional. You know, that's one. <laughs> that's right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but we do, you know, for example, sometimes it seems to me that what we work with with stakeholders is just to do a reality check to get a different perspective because everybody can be in a bubble, right? Everybody can look at perspectives. And we bring 12 of the world's biggest oil and gas companies around the table. But to be perfectly honest, they're all in the same industry. They will phrase and look at questions with a similar perspective. So I find some of the biggest value from stakeholder engagement being that they have a different view. You know, they they question what we're doing and they light a fire under us and they criticize things and they say, well, what about this? And what about that? It just seems that that, that difference of perspective also has real value in terms of where we do action, where we evaluate impact, where our time, effort, resources best spent. 
Yeah, you're, you're totally right, uh, Suzanne. I, I, it's true that I focused on the partnership, but this is what we call or, or what I call on my side stakeholder dialogue is, is absolutely essential. So we have this like long-term relationship with a number of our stakeholders who bring us some different perspective, uh, and that's the cl clearly accelerate our agenda. We, we've done, for instance, this year, um, a work with a group of uh, students uh, coming from Student Energy. Uh, who you know provided this kind of insight uh, to 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 us, and that was uh, extremely interesting. And hopefully, we're going to continue this relationship with, with them, but as well as with other uh, type of stakeholders. So, the one I mentioned, for instance, earlier, like the, the UNEP, um, United Nations Environmental Program, we have some like solid partnership with them, but we also have a very long-term uh, relationship. Same for EDF, like we engage on a regular basis and. We listen to them and we hear what what are their concerns and how we can try to adapt ourselves and get their perspective into our day-to-day -day work. So, um, yeah, just, just maybe one last example that come on top of my head now. Uh, one topic that we are engaging on uh, within uh, OGCI, since the most recent topic, I would say, is on natural climate solution. And, and of course, here you could expect, well, you don't expect necessarily the oil and gas industry to play a role first. Uh, no. and, and the maturity level of our member companies is relatively wide uh, because not all of them have already engaged, etc. And so here, the perspective of the stakeholder is absolutely essential because we learn from them. And, and that's why we joined, for instance, the Natural Climate Solution Alliance from the Natural Conservancy and WPCSD. Um, and this is, this is really um, uh, very important for us. Good. All right. Well, that's reassuring. It's not all unbelievably complicated multi-year transactions. Um, my bet also is that that dialogue is probably uh, a first step for many of those other relationships. So, Julian, in 2019, which is the year I joined this organization, we published a statement about responsible, transparent stakeholder engagement. I wasn't here at the time it, because I'm sure it went through a gazillion drafts and was iterated many times. But why was it important for OGCI to publish that? And can you describe what it says? Yes, well, it, it, it's important for us um, to make sure that, uh, you know, that there's OGCI, the coalition uh, of player, and then there is the member companies. And, and all of that is, you know, in different places from time to time using the terminology of GCI. So for us, it was important as a coalition first, but also uh, making sure that our member companies and for the member companies perspective, it was the same. I mean, they wanted to make sure that the coalition and their peers were um, supporting uh, the, the, the stakeholder engagement transparency that we wanted to have. It's important for us uh, to make clear that um, we don't say one thing in public and another thing in, in, in private. And that's why we, we publish uh, also our advocacy principle, for instance, a few months ago. Uh, we we were, want to be extremely transparent on that, and, and that's uh, I hope a good example on on the fact that uh, we're not we're, we're not paying to to be uh, you know uh, to 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 stay aside of the of the equation. We want to engage and we want that to be uh, made in a transparent manner. And yeah, just just demonstrate that uh, we do what we say and we say what we do. Right, in short. Good. That's short and sweet. Um, so I I think these are. Really interesting questions. For 2021, what's your dream list? What is success? Success isn't the right term. But if we were to manage these or and work with our stakeholders most effectively, what are the two or three things that you'd love 
to see accomplished during the course of this year. And this year is a special year, right? We've got COP26 coming up. We have a groundswell of commitments around net zero. Um, and at the same time, we're working with an industry that is facing uh, both COVID-19, low oil prices, and the economy that is uncertain in its outlook. That feels like a graciously ambiguous way to say it. So in that context, what do we think is going to be most important about stakeholder engagement coming up? Well, I think you you, you captured it. Uh, for me, what, what has really struck me for the, the past 12 or 18 months, I would say, is that the world has clearly shifted from a shy support uh, to Paris Agreement uh, toward a clear acceleration to deliver a net zero economy by 2050. This is a very big switch. And that, that has been done in a year where all countries and every people uh, were facing uh, the pandemic and the related crisis that we, we, we still all uh, face. And, and I think actually what, what really um, uh, inspired me is that I truly believe that this crisis actually had just served as a catalyst of the deep change that were anyway happening in the society. And so uh, the consumer really wants uh, things to, to, to change. Uh, and so as energy player, the, our member companies, as you say, are also facing like multiple dilemma. Um, the energy is responsible of, as I said, two thirds, roughly speaking, of the, uh, the the climate footprint and the oil and gas industry is part of this two thirds. Um, but at the same time, we are asked to provide an affordable energy, reliable everywhere in the world um, and at a fair price but also to reduce the, the climate footprint of it and to invest into the new technology for that to happen. So this is something that is it's a, it's a complex combination. And this is not, again, something that we can do alone. So collaboration with value chain and our consumer in a transparent, practical, and pragmatic, pragmatic way is what we need. And I think my second wish, if I may, is that, of course, I mean, you know, we're, we are not full. Uh, we know that the oil and gas industry is not always welcome uh, on the climate table. Uh, particularly by you know some players and, and for for good or bad reason, what I would like is you know to have a very positive engagement with them. Uh, the world unfortunately cannot afford anymore to waste time in debate and controversy. Uh, time has, is now to act and track our success on every single ton of greenhouse gas emission we manage to abate. It's not it's not anymore a question of you know yeah debate I would say. And so I truly hope that we'll be able to reinforce some partnership uh, as a coalition and through our individual member with um, all, all of these players. Julian, thank you. I'm going to switch to asking a couple of questions about you. Um, Julian, you've been here really since this was probably a PowerPoint deck <laughs> and a concept before the um, before it was announced at the COP talks in Paris, the, the formally announced. Um, and you're still here. Uh, and this is an industry that moves um, just, it moves slowly, right? It, it is a huge industry with huge amounts of history and infrastructure, um, stakeholders and shareholders. So what motivate? why are you still here? Where, what do you see as the difference? What gets you up in the morning and causes you to spend the 18 hour days that I know you spend on this <laughs> with two little kids? <laughs> oh, three, three little kids. Yeah, three. Oh, uh, three yes. <laughs> it makes Sorry. it a little bit more challenging, you know. Um, no, but uh, thanks, Susan. It's a, uh, it's a personal question, but I'm, I'm going to be a very honest uh, here. I think it's, uh, it's a, uh, I like the, I like your question. So first of all, I think you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, 
when you when you work in this in the sustainable development or climate change since uh, as for me like more than 15 years again you interact with a lot of people that are passionate by the by the topic that are very engaged etc and when you told them well you know i think where we have the impact is on you know the oil and gas industry or the cement industry or the steel industry some of them don't really believe that you're serious and that you're really engaged and that you you know i don't know why but anyway when you're turned to this domain you realize that actually the size of the issue is where you can make the impact so not working uh, uh, with the oil and gas industry for me would be a nonsense if i wanted to really have an impact and, and i think probably said 20 times the word impact already since the beginning of this interview so it's it's so important um, it, it bears repeating it's good yes <laughs> so aiming to have an impact and refusing to work with the oil and gas industry for me it's an absolute nonsense so it's it's uh, it's very important to me uh, to work with uh, with those players and as you say ogci at the very beginning actually it was uh, yeah a pop-up on deck you're right uh, it was uh, yeah just a phone number a few people on the mailing list that really didn't know why uh, they were put on this mailing list and some email exchanged and, and today as you as you know we've we're incorporated we have brilliant people like you uh, and we have um, a website we have podcast and we have all of that and more more importantly we have a fund as well with investing in, in very high impact technology and we engage we have a number of stakeholder relationship as you as you say so and we did that in a few years and why we do that i mean why why is why did it grow like this it's because i think and i hope that we continue to have to bring a unique value proposition a unique impact through gci through the collaboration through the engagement that we have uh, and as we said at the beginning i mean some of the some segment of the low carbon value chain cannot be moved along by none of our member as big as they can are as big as they are it's too risky it needs you know a very complex level of knowledge uh, international footprint etc and some of them don't cannot bring all all this set of uh, competencies and this is where collaboration play a key role and again collaboration with group of players that have potential huge impact um, is is what motivates me so yeah that's good that's good all right. Well, Julian, I, I have the feeling I'll be, as I often do, talking to you many times during the course of today uh, as we are in touch. Uh, but thank you. Thank you very much for your time. And thank you for, for sharing your insights. Thanks, Susan. So just to close this, uh, this uh, podcast this morning, for anyone who's interested in more details around the programs that Julian just described, and actually a, a pretty comprehensive list of the more material engagement we have with stakeholders in the projects, please visit our site. We're publishing a list of those, and they'll be available if you go to the world's longest website name, www.oilandgasclimateinitiative.com. Uh, and you'll be able to to see those, review those, uh, and find out a whole lot more information about the OGCI and especially about OGCI Climate Investments, our billion-plus fund that's focused on ventures and projects and catalyzing changes in those ecosystems. Uh, we'll also be publishing shortly information about our work in natural climate solutions, so you can look for that there. And for broad information about what we're doing, please follow us either on Twitter or on LinkedIn, looking up again, Oil and Gas Climate Initiative. Our upcoming podcasts are going to be talking about methane science studies. We've just published a group of six of them, uh, and we'll be having a conversation with the chief scientist at EDF 
and we'll be having a conversation about natural climate solutions around and what we're doing in that area with one of the leaders in that area in Petrobras. Thank you very much for your time. Please stay safe. And again, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening.